Hello and welcome to the Alien Minute Podcast, the daily podcast where we carefully dissect the movie Alien one minute at a time. My name is John Ingle. And I'm Mitch Bryan, and today we'll be looking at Minute 64, which begins with Parker asking Brett what the hell he's doing and ends up with Brett lonely, alone, calling out for Jones. And we've got um, Jason Heck back. Calling out for studio. Jason. It's great to be here, hey, and, and we are we are engaging in a uh, a minute that begins uh, with great levity, and uh, we begin very rapidly spiraling back into um, into suspense with the uh, that old chestnut. Let's all split up, and uh, works we, every time. We send back our our skinniest wrong. and weakest dude. Uh, he's all on his own, uh, meowing haplessly as he seeks out uh, the cat who. Um, gave the false reading on the tracker and Ripley and Parker are both very cognizant of the fact that the cat can do so again. So we've got to eliminate that false positive and Brett, you go look and we're going to move on. I think what's interesting is there is this characteristic of Parker. He releases tension by laughing. We've seen him do it two or three different, different times now, Rid, uh, but Ripley is not laughing. No, she's decidedly not. She is not going this. to let that be any release of tension. She, she doesn't crack a single smile, which is interesting because Harry Dean Stanton has this sort of dipshit <laughs> kind of smile. Parker lets it loose as a as a very physical type of catharsis. He's not really amused at all. But Ripley, her eyes are closed, her head's hanging a little bit or tilted back, and she is just it's she's resigned. She's like, okay, this just got a little bit harder and she's still obviously feeling that tension and she knows that she's going to have to feel it again for no real good reason as they have to now go get the cat so ripley has kind of taken on a little bit of of lambert to a certain extent she doesn't like the situation she's with guys that don't really like her and thus they probably don't really trust one another she has the tracker that she certainly doesn't trust and now she knows she's going to have to do this at least one more time for no real good reason except to get the cat bagged up and taken to a place where he won't register on the tracker, possibly the airlock. You know, we've had all these handheld shots up to this point, and so it's really interesting when we cut out of that room and we have this really beautifully symmetrically framed shot, medium shot of, of Brett stepping into frame mm. and moving towards camera – and then the camera is actually locked down and on a dolly and just very slowly creeps back as he enters a room, which we now know was that same room that Ripley kind of drifted off into and looked around and came back. But uh, I don't, I've never realized that until how, today, you know, and how many times have I seen this movie? So the geography is consciously disorienting, I guess. You know, the fact that he goes to this reverse shot, too, we're looking back into the into the corridor. We can see the ladder. Uh, and there's another symbol, right? Yeah, we have the maintenance uh, symbol above the door up in the upper left. So but we're still in the maintenance section, but it's just another uh, instance of one of the semiotic symbols. That oh, production we've seen. design staying true to the design of this world. And again, it makes it feel lived in. It makes it feel real. Um, just as as much as their greasy hair and grime and and you know dirty dishes in the galley make it feel real, it's just it's a really nice small touch. And honestly, it's not a necessary one, right? I mean, you you don't need to pay your dudes a little bit extra to put your your sticker up there and get it noticed. But it's a it's clearly something that some people who are very attentive to detail are doing. And thanks to you guys providing the the key to the semiotic symbols, um, 
it's it's really cool to notice now. I you know I noticed all this stuff before, and I'm like, what the like on the the keyboard, like mother has some symbols, and uh, the scuttling procedure especially has some very weird symbols on those keys at the end when she's doing yeah. the scuttle procedure. But now you kind of get an idea that there's there's some there's something behind them, and it's I like it. I'm glad you guys introduced me to that. Ridley Scott definitely wanted to make a movie that was as detail oriented as 2001. Right. You really wanted. Right. Uh, you may not have an encyclopedic instructions for a zero G toilet like you do on the on the moon shuttle, but uh, you definitely have uh, a lot of stuff that makes it feel lived in. So we get then this reverse right. that is an ex- just an extraordinary shot. It's it, beautiful production design. And for me, it's the f- one of the first moments in the movie where I really get this sense of that kind of mechanical, slick, shiny, but dark H.R. Giger kind of look. Because right. all of the equipment in this room, particularly these these two pillars that have these rings around them, and even off to the far left, there's a shape that looks like the head of the alien. You wouldn't know that on first viewing of the movie, but that, that long, sleek sort of phallic cylindrical shape over if you look far left of the frame in the center it's the same color too as as the alien um but it's it's this room does look like an hr giga room to me yeah and to me there's two things going on here um one is we're going to find out in a couple minutes that this is um we're leading up to what is at least temporarily the layer of the alien so i think it's it's significant that now we're starting to step into the unfamiliar where before we've been seeing, we've talked many times about using you know real world props and things that are familiar to us to immerse us into this world, and now suddenly, like to me, this looks a little bit more like David Lynch's Dune or maybe what Joe Dororsky's Dune would have looked like, which which is apropos as as the production designers, some of them were the same people, but um, at least on the Joe Dororsky one, but. Uh, I also think the other thing that's going on here, as you said, Mitch, I never really noticed it um, consciously. But, yeah, they're teasing the shape of the alien head here a little bit. And not to get way ahead, but that's going to be really important later. The fact that this is a familiar shape, a familiar thing in the backdrop in the um, ship itself is going to play in big time uh, at the end of the movie. So. I think that's uh, maybe I'm giving him a little too much credit, but I don't think so. We see so much detail in this movie. I think that they might have thought ahead that far. Right. Well, I mean, if we're you know, we've already speculated that that the lockers that we saw before that the red is a danger cue or at least something to, to sort of prick the danger sense in our primitive animal brain. So why not start teasing that way? I mean, it, it would make sense. We know that the alien um, looks well, it, it, it is able that that sleek head shape looks a lot like a pipe or conduit when it's when it's blended in. So why not? I mean, certainly Cameron did that with the aliens. You know, the, the nest was the aliens, all these biomechanical parts and things that look just like anything else in the background. So um, it would make sense that a director who's been as attentive to details, Ridley Scott, um, would probably do that. I think another thing about this shot that I really love is we have up to this point been pretty much conditioned to to seeing a, a point of view shot and then we cut back to if not directly who's seen at possibilities of two or three people who, who who this may be representing their point of view and in this shot we break the rule a little bit because you get what seems to be a point of view shot and then Brett 
walks into the shot from frame right. And I love these shots because I think they do something extra to the sort of unconscious mind of the audience um, by by flipping it, by 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 presenting it as if it's a point of view shot and then revealing it to actually not be a literal point of view shot. We are still seeing what he's seeing, but we're not seeing it through his head because he walks into frame and suddenly, oh, we're with him. And it's just slightly disorienting. And I once had a producer go on a big tirade about how these shots should never be used. I don't know why somebody would make that kind of a statement, but that that this there was something wrong about this, that it was it was in flagrant violation of film language or whatever. But I love this shot. I've used it. I've used it a half a dozen times in, in different films because it's it, it's a it's a gentle trick to the audience right. to make and, them pay attention and keeps them off balance a little bit. Right. It's it's sort of a subtle version of of using a Dutch angle. It's it's enough to disorient a little bit and to to take expectations and and kind of kind of betray them a little bit and let them know that maybe in a subtle way they can't really trust what they're seeing. Right. So it's not not so overt as completely skewing your camera, but it's enough to slightly skew their expectations. Yeah, I think I, I, it's a beautiful shot, actually. It's and well, and of, and of course the amazing shot of him walking through the door. That the way the lighting sort of shifts is, I, yeah, it's a magnificent shot. I love it. That's it for me. I don't know. Do you have anything else, John? I don't have anything else for this minute, Jason. Yeah, I had a few ghost stories and jokes kind of ready to go, but um, I think that the discussion of the film is actually enough this time for me so I'm going to save those although there's a I'll tease it there's a great one with uh, some folks in Lover's Lane and a guy with a hook so I'm going to leave it there but oh it's a good god one. I can't imagine what that what could be I don't know I'm, I'm picking up your we'll sarcasm hear it some other time I yeah. know oh, what maybe if we do if we do a Halloween episode I'm just I'm really I'm, I'm holding those that's kind of it's kind of in my in my pocket okay well uh, you can find us at alienminute.com follow us on Twitter and Instagram uh, you can also go over to uh, Tee Public and buy some T-shirts or onesies for your baby or whatever you might with the, oh yeah, I'm being reminded with, with hand gestures to remind you of Facebook. Uh, check us out at our listeners page there. And uh, tomorrow we'll be doing Minute 65, so tune in then. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>